Gentlemen, start your engines. Uh, here's the way that about. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. Listening to Jim Paris Live, your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right, hello everybody. Welcome to the broadcast. Good to be with you tonight. Of course, we are live on Sunday nights, nine o'clock Eastern. And the website is christianmoney.com, christianmoney.com. A lot for you tonight in our new segment. And then in our guest segment, this will be the first time he's with us, I believe. Uh, Jonathan Brentner is here. His book is The Triumph of the Redeemed. And it's all about Bible prophecy, one of our favorite topics. We'll be talking about that starting at 9.30 p.m. in about 28 minutes from now. Next week, we have David Hevener. He's here to talk about his book, End Times Investigations. And then in three weeks, we've got a new guest expert coming on on Bitcoin and all things cryptocurrency. His name is Jeff Seconder, and he'll be with us in three weeks. Well, I want to start out with a little bit of a personal dilemma and maybe get some advice. All right, I'm going for those watching on the video screen. This is the top of my headshot. Here we go. You see this up here, guys? I'm starting to get thin up there. And my dad was really thin. Uh, and this has just started in the last couple of months. So I am seeking advice from anyone. Uh, there's all kinds of different things you can do, right? To get your hair to grow more thickly and uh, to thicken your hair and to get uh, rid of these, you know, bald spots or deal with them beforehand. And so here I am. I'm, I'm starting to get old, I guess. <laughs> Maybe I can move some of the hair from my goatee up there. That would be one of the solutions. Or I could do the Donald Trump uh, comb over type of a deal, right? Uh, not going to do that. But I did buy this shampoo on Amazon, which is designed to make your hair grow more thick. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that's going to work. It's sort, sort of filled with all these vitamins and herbal uh, remedies for people that have thinning hair, but, uh, that's something I'm dealing with. So uh, let's crowdsource this, throw it out there to you. My email is Jim at christianmoney.com. If you've got, uh, an idea, a strategy, something that's worked for you, I'm open to it because it's getting thin. See that it's, and it, I always tend to notice this right after I get a haircut and I just got my haircut on Friday. <laughs> so I'm noticing the hair is really, it's not just a haircut. It's, it's actually starting to thin out. And I guess that's what happens when you're 57 years old, which is uh, where I'm at right now on life's age scale. Okay. A lot to get into tonight. So much news, man. I didn't even know how we were going to cram this all in, but I sort of uh, shaved it down to, I think the most important news stories. And I want to start with this one that I think is very interesting. I'm hearing more and more people talking about this idea that at some point in the future, most of the individual residential homes in America are going to be owned by corporations. And, and what this is going to do is it's going to make most of us renters. Can you imagine in America 
where most people didn't own homes, that the homes were owned by corporations, and then most people ended up being renters of those homes. So you go into a typical American neighborhood and you look at, you know, all the homes there, and most of the homes would not be owned by people, the individuals, but owned by corporations that would rent them out. Wouldn't that really change things? In the American landscape, well, some people are predicting that is what is happening very slowly. And this started happening after the crash in 2008. A lot of corporations, very smart they, that they did this. They started moving money out of the stock market and literally buying up thousands and thousands of homes that were in foreclosure. So this is already afoot. This is already happening that the corporations are starting to buy these single family homes. I happen to know someone that what they do for their business is they're hired by corporations to go out and do repairs and uh, fix, you know, plumbing issues in uh, corporately owned rental homes. And this is becoming a very big uh, business, the business of the maintenance and care of these homes. And this um, one friend of mine, um, her and her husband, that's what they do. That's what their business is, uh, taking care of homes that are owned by big corporations. And this is becoming more and more of a thing. I think it would be a tragedy, honestly. Uh, I just think about the street that I grew up on in the southwest suburbs of Chicago. And everybody on our street, I think with maybe the exception of one or two houses, we might have had one or two rentals. But everybody owned the house, your family owned the house. And I was born, uh, raised in the same house until I went off to college, which is really fortunate. I know a lot of people didn't have that uh, benefit, but I did. And uh, that was the case with most of my friends growing up. Uh, there wasn't a lot of turnover in our neighborhood. Most people that uh, were you know, born and, and lived in that neighborhood lived there all the way until they went off on their own as an adult. And that's what it was with me. But can you imagine in America where you go into a typical neighborhood and all of the homes are owned or most of them are owned by corporations? And uh, we're really at a weird spot right now in the real estate market. And I don't know what's going to happen next. I can make an argument for higher prices because with inflation, you're going to have pressure, upward pressure on things that are inflation sensitive, like gold, like real estate. Those are the typical things that go up during times of high inflation. And that has been what has been happening. But then there's also this other argument, which is, is there a bubble to burst in the real estate market? Could we actually be reaching a pinnacle where we're going to see maybe the bubble burst? And I think maybe the answer is, is both. I think there are bubbles in places like San Francisco, really the whole state of California, which is losing population, the state of Illinois, which is losing population, uh, New York City, which is losing population. These are areas that notwithstanding the loss of their population, the net loss of population, their real estate markets have still continued to go up. Those to me seem like obvious bubbles, but the entire country, probably not a bubble. And especially these areas where uh, you've got increases in population like Texas and Florida in particular. The house that I live in, I was out in the street this afternoon chatting with some neighbors 
And we were all talking and laughing about how much our houses are worth talking about. We should sell our houses, but those conversations are always followed up with, but where would we live? Where would we move to? Because everywhere around here, we've got these incredibly high prices. So my house, uh, we were fortunate to purchase this in 2010 for $125,000. So this is a 2,300 square foot home, four bedrooms, two baths, $125,000, bought it out of foreclosure in 2010. And right now it is worth more than $400,000. It seems impossible that these prices can be sustained. But then again, when you look at what happened with California and if you can make that logical leap that Florida is really the next California, then who knows? I mean, maybe this $400,000 current value on my house, maybe this is still going to be a cheap price compared to where it's going to be in five years. I mean, could it be a million dollars in five years? Maybe uh, it could be. I mean, this that's the kind of thing that happened in California. And when you have this, you know, what's going on in my neighborhood, which is really crazy. So I live in a neighborhood where there were a bunch of empty lots and it was kind of nice because you'd have all this space between houses and it was almost like each house had a couple of empty lots next to it. So you had like these green belts that were sort of dividers between the houses. And now almost all of the lots are being built on. Um, there must be, I'm guessing in my circle here, there's about 400 houses and there must be right now under construction, at least 12 or 15 houses. And, and there must be at least another 10 lots being cleared and prepped for construction. And this is what's happening in Florida. It is just absolutely going crazy. So where does real estate go from here? You know, I think it's going to be regional. I think you're going to have Texas doing well. Florida doing well. I think you've got these areas that are clearly going to be bubbles that are, I mean, you can't defy gravity forever. When you've got a net loss of population, these areas like New York, Illinois, uh, New Jersey, California, it's just going to have to, th those prices are going to have to come down. I don't see them as being sustainable. This was a story I saw that I thought was fascinating. A New York pension fund get this, is being prevented from selling $300 million in stocks that they own on the Moscow Stock Exchange. So this is kind of, you know, Russia uh, fighting back, you know, sticking, you know, putting a stick in our eye, uh, freezing uh, stocks, not letting us sell stocks, our corporate, uh, you know, pension funds and so forth are not being allowed to sell stocks on their exchanges. And you, you got to wonder, I know these pension funds, some of them have billions of dollars in them. So 300 million could be just a tiny, tiny fraction of 1% of what their holdings are. And you know that these funds typically have to be diversified, but why would they have money <laughs> in Moscow? I mean, with all of the great companies to invest in here in the U.S., and I mean, even if you want to start investing overseas in places like China uh, and Taiwan, you know, other international markets, why, why would you be investing in Moscow? I, I don't know. Maybe there are some hot stocks in Moscow, but now they're really stuck because uh, this pension fund uh, basically owns $300 million of stocks. 
that are frozen. And apparently this freeze out is applying to a lot of different countries are not being allowed to enter into the Moscow Stock Exchange and sell their positions. So they've completely lost all liquidity. And these are the kind of things that happen during war that you really don't think about. You really don't think about like, oh, man, I shouldn't have put money uh, in the Moscow Stock Exchange because we might uh, be in an adversarial position with Russia at some point, And then I won't be able to sell. It's something you kind of probably could, you know, uh, map it out. You know, you could storyboard it if you were, you know, creating different scenarios in a boardroom somewhere. Uh, but still, it's it's sort of surreal to think about this. Three hundred million dollars is a lot of money. And, you know, what happens? Does that money just disappear? At some point, if if our let's say our relations with Russia don't thaw for 10 years, does this three hundred million dollars just stay frozen for 10 years? Um, is this in stocks that are really going to be worth zero by the time the money's going to be withdrawn uh, from that market? If it ever is able to be withdrawn, uh, just interesting, unique things that uh, that you see happening as this war with Ukraine continues to drag on. So. I like doing movie reviews. I'm not sure it's going to be an every week thing, but I did see another movie. So I want to give you a little bit of an insight on it. My thoughts on it. I saw a movie yesterday called Infinite Storm, and it's based on a true story of a guy who is stranded on Mount Washington in New Hampshire, and he's saved by a lady by the name of Pam Bale. And it's it's based on a true story. And it was really an incredible, very inspirational movie. But it's one of those movies where it's stressful to watch it. <laughs> You're like sitting on the edge of your seat this whole almost two hours while this ordeal is going on. And she finds him almost frozen to death on the mountain. And he's there without the proper clothing, without the proper shoes. And she uses what she's got in her emergency kit to warm him up. And by the way, the strangest thing is in order to warm him up, she had to take off all of his clothes to warm him up. It kind of sounds counterintuitive, right? Like someone's freezing on a mountain and step one is you strip them down to their underwear to warm them up. But I guess that's what you do. Uh, that's why I've never rescued anyone on a mountain because I would not know to do that. Uh, but she strips him down to his underwear and then she, you know, rubs all of over his skin to try to get the, you know, the feeling back in his skin. And then she puts this thermal bag over him. She does all the things that you do, I guess, during a mountain rescue and ends up rescuing this guy. And it's just harrowing what happens during this movie. And you're watching it and you're like, oh, they're going to make it. They're going to make it. And then something happens and there's something dramatic. They, you know, they he falls into a, a creek at one point after they're almost there. I don't want to give it away. They do make it. It's based on a true story. You would know that if you just read the description. So I'm not giving the, the ending away, but it is uh, it's very stressful watching it. Because you are like you are in the story with them and it it's great on the big screen. The only thing that I would say that I was a little bit disappointed in is that it wasn't actually filmed on Mount Washington. And you can tell because the mountains that they show you in the movie, it's like, OK, we don't have mountains like that on the east coast of the U.S. Clearly, uh, this was a European filming location. And I was disappointed only because 
my daughter lives right uh, at the base of Mount Washington, and I have been around Mount Washington quite a few times over the last two or three years. I was recently up on the top of Mount Washington the last time I visited her in October. So uh, I was kind of looking forward to maybe seeing some of that scenery of some of those little businesses around the base of Mount Washington and then actually seeing Mount Washington only to learn that, nope, Hollywood strikes again. This is happening more and more where you go to see a movie based on uh, the location that you expect that it's going to be filmed at. And it's not probably the best example of that is the uh, TV series Ozark, which is actually not filmed in the Ozarks. It's filmed in Atlanta, which is kind of like the Ozarks, but it's not the Ozarks. But you're finding this uh, to be more and more the case. But Infinite Storm, I would definitely recommend it. And it is one that you want to see on the big screen because the cinematography is just breathtaking. And it's the kind of cinematography that you're going to want to see on, on the big screen. It's been interesting. I I've been going to movies lately uh, just because now I'm single. I'm separated. My wife has been gone for a few months, so I'm doing a lot of things by myself. And one of the things that I've been enjoying doing uh, which, by the way, if you're my friend on Facebook, you know that you know that I've been separated for months now uh, and not sure where that's all going to end up. But in any case, um, I've been going to movies because it's something that you can do uh, and you're with other people. But I've noticed that the movie theaters are not recovering from, uh, you know, I'm not seeing the crowds that I saw pre COVID. I'm just not seeing those kind of crowds. And on that topic, the airlines are all together now, all in one accord saying, let's get rid of the masks. You've got all the CEOs of the major airlines saying we've got to get rid of the masks. And uh, it looks like it's probably going to happen. And, and I can tell you, there would be no better news for the travel industry than to get rid of these ridiculous masks. The masks are gone everywhere else. Why are they still required on buses and on planes and inside airports? It makes no sense. It really doesn't. It really never did. And when you look at what the airlines have done to purify the air inside the aircraft, it is the cleanest air you're going to breathe probably anywhere uh, when you're on an airplane, especially with all the upgrades they've done since covid and I'll tell you what, there are a lot of people that will not fly because of the masks. And I have flown with the mask requirement. I will do it, but I have decided to travel less. And I think most people are in that same boat, that they have decided to travel less because of the mask requirement. It's just no fun. You know, the minute you walk in the airport, they're like Nazis making you put the mask on. And uh, it's just not enjoyable. The whole experience, you got to get to the airport an hour and a half, two hours early, right? So the mask's got to be on while you're waiting during that period of time. Then when you get on the flight, you've got to keep the mask on, except if you're sipping your coffee or drinking a martini or whatever you're having, eating some peanuts, you can take the mask off for a little bit here and there. But it's just miserable. And there really is no science behind it, especially now especially where uh, the COVID risk level is now. So that's another thing that we're looking forward to uh, happening uh, very, very shortly. Well, this buzz is, is uh, just started over the last 24 hours. 
there is a buzz that the Ukraine crisis could be solved by breaking Ukraine into two separate countries. This is similar to what happened with Korea, where you have a North and South Korea. But what they're talking about is the possibility of an Eastern and a Western Ukraine. Now, of course, uh, President Zelensky is not in favor of this, is not endorsing this, but some people are floating this as an off-ramp for Putin. The idea that he could at least control some part of Ukraine, especially the eastern, the, the furthest eastern portion where there tends to be more Russian sympathy in those areas than in the central and western parts of Ukraine. Uh, of course, uh, you know, NATO members are not for this, but it's a buzz that's circulating as a possible maybe starting point for discussions for some kind of a settlement. I think it would be a terrible idea to give Russia an inch of ground. But then again, uh, you know, what is Ukraine going to do? I mean, eventually, over time, Russia is going to wear them down and win uh, this battle. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But I think Russia, I think it's... Uh, I, those people that have hopes that somehow Ukraine can win against Russia, I don't know. I think that's false hope. I think that Russia is restrained right now and has much uh, more severe uh, weaponry that they can use that they haven't used. And that's probably what we're going to see in the next wave. So maybe a settlement is not going to be something anybody likes, but maybe it's the best uh, worst, you know, it's the best of the worst options, if we can put it that way, for somehow there to be some settlement where Russia regains some portion of Ukraine. Uh, and then there's a portion of Ukraine that remains its own free independent country. We'll have to monitor that and see what happens. Okay, quickly, tonight's sponsor keeping us commercial free is me. I'm tonight's sponsor, my blog at medium.com. You can find my blog by going to jameslparis.medium.com, jameslparis.medium.com. And you'll want to go there because you're going to want to find out about this top article that is listed there right now. I just filled up my Jeep the other day and I got $17 cash back. Let me say that again. I filled up my Jeep with gas and I got $17 cash back. If you want to find out how to get that type of cash back when you're buying gas, there is a new app. Well, it's been around for about a year. Uh, it's new to most people. Most people have never heard of this app before. It's called Get Upside, and you get cash back on gas, cash back on restaurants, and cash back on groceries. And there's a really neat little referral program that you can join once you get the app, and it's free to do this. Once you get the app on your phone, you get a referral code. You can share that with your friends on social media and then earn even more money in cash back when you buy gas. So in my case, I got $17 in cash back. If you want to find out how you can do this and get that kind of cash back and get this app on your phone using my referral code, you'll get a bonus on your first fill up. So make sure you use my referral code and you can get that by going to my blog 
jameslparis.medium.com. $17 in cash back. You got to get in on this. jameslparis.medium.com. Tonight's sponsor, keeping us commercial free, jameslparis.medium.com. Well, Elon Musk is back in the news and he shared one of his fears this week. And it kind of gave me the chills a little bit because this is something that I personally also share as a fear. And no, it's not the fear of spiders, although I don't like spiders. Elon Musk says he is afraid of AI, that is artificial intelligence, going wrong. And of course, who wouldn't be if you saw, what was it, the HAL 9000 in uh, 2001, A Space Odyssey, where the where the computer system takes over that, that freaks me out. I'll be honest with you. And I think in our lifetime, we're going to see artificial intelligence. It's already sort of happening and it's very frustrating. Uh, there is a form of AI that's being used now in customer service. So when you call your credit card company, or your bank, a lot of times you'll hear a voice that'll say, tell us what you want and, and we can help you. And it's not just recognizing your voice and sending you to a certain extension. It's actually a form of artificial intelligence. And this is now improving over time where at some point AI will be able to make decisions uh, with human interaction and actually have conversations and uh, if you're one of those people that screams representative, I want a representative and you try to articulate it to get to the person and it doesn't work. This is uh, frustrating. But what Elon Musk is talking about is it being scary, like, you know, AI making these decisions. I mean, little frustrating things happen. Like the other day I got in the mail a. Uh, a bill for $3 and 50 cents. And it says that my motorcycle went through a toll a booth in Orlando. Well, I was never in Orlando, right? But they had a picture and everything. Well, I challenged it. And a week later it came back that they had the wrong motorcycle. It wasn't me that the camera had a, an error. It, it, it imaged the license plate incorrectly as me and it all got worked out. But imagine a world where, the computer would say, nope, I saw your motorcycle in Orlando and you owe the $3 and 50 cents. And if you don't pay it, you're going to owe a hundred bucks, you know, in a month, which is what happens. Or you owe hundreds of dollars on these little tiny tolls that don't get paid on time. But a, this is what uh, Elon Musk's fear is. And I have to say, I'm with him on this. I am, I am really paranoid about AI. And I think in my lifetime, I'm 57 years old. So by the time I'm an old man, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, we could be uh, literally arguing with computers and uh, they could be in charge. They could be uh, telling us what to do. And that could really be scary. All right. If you're following cryptocurrency, good news for those owning Bitcoin, Bitcoin right at $47,000 tonight. Uh, at a three month high. So, you know, Bitcoin has come down from the, the highs where it's been in, you know, the 65,000 and, and higher level, but we're back up to a three month high and we're going to have a Bitcoin expert with us uh, coming up uh, in three weeks. We've got Jeff Seckinger 
Uh, he is uh, an expert on cryptocurrency, also involved with hedge funds and cryptocurrency. So we'll be asking him all about that. But uh, that's good to see Bitcoin uh, making a comeback. Florida's jobless rate drops to 3.3%, which is really ridiculous. I mean, what this basically means is if you are in Florida and you can fog up a mirror, there are jobs for you. And uh, there are tons of jobs for people in Florida. And uh, you can write your own ticket pretty much in Florida right now. 3.3%, uh, which is basically zero unemployment here in Florida. And we'll close it out with, with this. Two more stories, I guess we've got time to squeeze in. If you think your Big Mac or Whopper is unhealthy, it may not be the sandwich that is the problem. People are warning now, experts are warning about the wrappers on fast food that wrappers have toxicity in them. The wrappers on your food, the boxes and the paper that your food is wrapped in may be more unhealthy for you, it turns out, than the food itself. Wow. Who knew? And then we'll close it out with this. Arizona is now offering that you can get your driver's license right on your iPhone or your Android. So you don't get a physical uh, driver's license anymore. It's just going to be on your phone. How cool would that be? I've often wondered why that isn't the case, right? With your insurance information, with your driver's license, all of that stuff that you would need if the police pull you over, that you couldn't just press a button on your phone and all of it is right there. And maybe even through wireless uh, connectivity, there couldn't be a transfer of that data right to the police officer's computer. I mean, wouldn't that be cool? That's probably the next thing that's going to happen. But uh, look for this to probably happen in uh, other states. The big problem is, is authentication and people counterfeiting driver's licenses. So there would have to be something in this technology. There probably is that makes it more than just a picture of a driver's license. It must have some kind of encryption that makes it authentic more than just a picture. All right, we'll take a one minute break. We'll refire the open. We'll be back with our special guest. Here is his book. I'll hold it up on the video stream. The Triumph of the Redeemed. Jonathan Brettner is here for the first time. We'll be back in one minute. Stand by. <laughs> 